Hello, I'm Jan Orman. Welcome to the podcast. This podcast is part of a series that summarizes the contents of the Black Dog Institute's e-mental health in practice webinars. Those webinars seek to help Australian GPs and mental health professionals learn about the reliable online mental health resources that are available for them to use. Recently, in webinar 29, we focused our attention on perinatal depression. We invited three experts onto our panel to talk about perinatal mood disorders from their various points of view, and a number of other experts appeared on video. The webinar was rich with new information about the online resources that have been developed to support the well-being of women and men during pregnancy and the perinatal period. Before we listen to the podcast, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we meet and to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. My special guests in this webinar were Professor Jeanette Milgram, an academic from the University of Melbourne who works as a clinical psychologist and a digital program developer and is the lead of the Perinatal Depression e-consortium. I also welcomed Professor Jane Fisher, another clinical psychologist and academic, this time from Monash University, and her specialties are in global and women's health, and Dr Elizabeth Ma, a Melbourne GP with a special interest in the perinatal period. Elizabeth is also the director of the Happy Baby Sleep and Settling Clinic in Melbourne. We first turned our attention to what we know about the adequacy of our current management of perinatal mood disorders. We asked Dr Alan Jemmel, Director of Research at the Parent Infant Research Unit in Melbourne, to help us out. It seems there is room for a little improvement. Depression in pregnancy and the first year postpartum is a serious mental health condition with negative consequences for women's health and quality of life. Some of the biggest negative impacts are on the future developmental and mental health prospects of children. Perinatal depression is highly prevalent. It can be treated successfully. However, more than 50% of cases continue to go unidentified. While less than half of these ever receive any treatment at all, perhaps only 1 in 10 cases receive adequate treatment. One way to improve on this is through the use of depression screening tests. Screening with an instrument like the EPDS has the potential to increase identification rates and therefore the number of women who can be offered effective treatment. Successful screening is a process, not just a test. Screening needs to be conducted in the context of a coordinated, quality-assured system of care that is focused on supporting improved mental health outcomes for those women screened. Applying a screening test in isolation will have little impact on mental health outcomes. A number of factors are more frequently seen in women with perinatal depression. These include a personal or family history of mental health difficulties, traumatic or stressful events, and a lack of practical, financial, social or emotional support. The Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale is well known to most Australian practitioners, but I wondered if there were any limitations to its use. Here's Jane. 
I would endorse what Alan said about this being a very useful uh, tool to use in care. But we do know that now because it is widely available and it's a publicly available instrument, many women are familiar with it and they're familiar with the scoring system and they're familiar with what that means. And this means it can be open to intentional alterations either to score it high if women are seeking access to services that are known to be uh, difficult to get into or perhaps artificially scoring it low when it's something they don't really wish to disclose. The other limitation is we know it doesn't always function so well in languages other than English. So for women for whom English is not their first language, we can't presume that it's as sensitive to their needs as it is for, to, for women who speak English as a first language. There are a number of validations for Indigenous women, including some that use images rather than words. Mm -hmm. And I, I think they've been found to be a useful communication aid for uh, Indigenous women, including women in remote communities. And Jeanette. It is a screening tool. So what we always have to remember is what that means. And the beauty of a screening tool is it quickly identifies in a very user-friendly way, uh, women quite like filling out the Edinburgh, um, those women who are more likely to be depressed so and to be followed up for further assessment. Mm. So it quickly gives you a population to follow up. I asked Elizabeth when it was that she used the Edinburgh scale in her practice. Um, well, I use it with every patient I see, actually, postnatally. Um, I think it's very useful. Um, as, as Jane and Jeanette have mentioned, there are limitations. Um, I, I actually wanted to mention that often when I see patients who are doctors or psychologists, their scores are zero, uh, which, is, which is not realistic at all, but something to be, um, yes, aware of. The important thing that we need to remember about the Edinburgh scale is that it tells you about how the woman is feeling right now, not about her level of risk for developing perinatal mood problems in the future. Another tool you might like to consider using is the antenatal risk questionnaire, which focuses on risk factors rather than current symptoms. I asked Elizabeth where the antenatal risk questionnaire fitted into her clinical practice. So it's a kind of uh, more longer term. Um, so you'd be more likely to do that once and you'd be more likely to do the EPDS on a more regular basis. Okay. Um, it's good to use alongside history taking. So again, it is a screening tool. Um, so you do need to, if there is a high score of 23 or above, or if there's a significant history of um, mental health disorder, or if there's a history of abuse, it is very important to follow that up with a proper assessment. So it might provide a good memory jogger for the sorts of questions that you need to ask in your clinical assessment. Yeah? Yes, and there is a postnatal risk questionnaire as well, which has uh, three added questions on the end. The antenatal risk questionnaire was developed by Professor Marie-Paul Austin from the University of New South Wales and Black Dog Institute. It's available online free of charge, and you can find it easily by putting antenatal risk questionnaire into your search engine. I asked my panel about the definition of perinatal depression and what exactly it is that makes it different from depression in other parts of life. 
it's an incredibly important thing that we now have so much more public awareness of the fact that women can experience mental health problems when they're pregnant or after they've given birth. And I think the recognition of perinatal or postnatal depression has been an enormous advance in women's health. But we do know that it can be a, an umbrella term and there are definitely some women who are experiencing a, a, a pretty pure depressive disorder and Jeanette uh, is well positioned to address that in a minute. But I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that also many women can experience disability associated with pretty significant anxiety or can have adjustment problems to these life events that take longer than other people do and that uh, do lead to problems of mild to moderate severity that warrant some assistance. It is useful for clinicians to uh, be aware of the DSM criteria for depression because it, it helps to define those women who um, are likely to have a major depression and need treatment um, as opposed to perhaps support and only support because those that need treatment also need support or preventive measures. So um, I would say it's a very useful clinical tool um, to be uh, aware of these criteria. I think the two core DSM criteria, which are to do with significant weight change, especially weight loss, and with sleeping problems, are normal in uh, women who've recently given birth. So it's normal for them to have experienced weight change, and it's normal for them to have interrupted sleep or insufficient sleep. So if these are two of the symptoms they endorse, then it's very important, I think, to inquire more closely into them, to learn a bit more about the nature of the sleep problems, in particular if they have difficulty going back to sleep after they've been up caring for a baby, but also if the weight change is really dramatically more than you would expect among uh, a population who've recently given birth. When postnatal depression was first described, it was described as an atypical depression by Bryce Pitt, the psychiatrist who first identified it, because he said it was characterised by much more agitation and irritability than you can observe in depression at other phases of life. I think it is useful to hold this in mind. It's worth noting that DSM's definition of postnatal depression includes the notion that onset occurs within the first four weeks after childbirth. As clinicians, um, there's a general consensus and in research studies that, it, that um, postnatal depression is defined as in the first year postpartum. And when you look, like, when you look at epidemiological studies, you do see perhaps a hump around three months, maybe around six months. So that uh, I, I, I do believe most um, clinicians um, ignore that four-week uh, marker. I asked Elizabeth about the importance of depression severity in treatment planning. If someone is diagnosed with a mild um, perinatal depression, we'd be more likely to um, use psychological strategies and maybe behavioural strategies for the infant, like a more structured or um, a structured approach or routine. Whereas for a more severe um, depression, we might be thinking about. Um, you know, um, medication, possibly admission to a psychiatric mother-baby unit. Um, and these mothers would require a lot more support, both professionally and socially, um, as well as a team approach. The other considerations in the perinatal period are uh, largely sleep deprivation. That's a big deal to, to consider. Um, bereavement can occur in the perinatal period. 
the GPs amongst us need to think about thyroid dysfunction, anemia, and other medical conditions that it, that can occur and masquerade as depression. And the allied mental health practitioners and psychologists amongst us need also to think about those things when women present with what appears to be depression and they haven't seen their GP for screening. And of course, we need to think about the medications they might be taking and the substance abuse that may be going on um, in, it, in terms of whether or not those things are producing symptoms that could be mistaken for depression. Postnatal depression is not just a matter of faulty biology. It might be attributed to that, but it occurs in a social context. So as we've heard already, that needs to be considered and taken into account. It occurs in a context when people are experiencing other difficult life experiences that might need to be addressed. But also, uh, it uh, is one that is very amenable to uh, helpful interventions. And I think Jeanette's um, mood booster is one of these. Jeanette, I understand that cognitive behavioural therapy remains the, the uh, gold standard treatment, psychological treatment in perinatal mood disorders. Is it different in any way from CBT for other disorders at other parts of the life cycle? The do need to be adaptation. For example, uh, you can't really have the time when you have a new baby to do relaxation for 20 minutes twice a day. So we've adapted our treatment programs to have relaxation on the run. Uh, there are all sorts of um, other symptoms of depression, as Jane has alluded to, that seem to be rather um, prominent in personal depression. So the difficulty in concentrating, so setting some very long uh, cognitive exercises often isn't the first port of call. We'll very quickly try to get some change. We'll introduce some behavioural methods of activation. So you start doing pleasant activities with your babies and try to get immediately a boost by, as we know, that um, as you start experiencing more positive experiences, your mood lifts. So there are ways of doing this, and we need to take into account fathers and infants who are both very affected as well as other partners or um, if we have a single mum, well, you know, that, that, that then there are significant others that are often involved in this. So what I'm hearing you say is that CBT is ideal but it does need to be modified a little bit to, to deal with the different circumstances that these women find themselves in, particularly their social circumstances. Of course, our remit in the webinar was to introduce you to some of the reliable online resources that we can incorporate into treatment of those experiencing or at risk of perinatal mood disorders. Lucky Jeanette was there. She was very keen to tell us about Mum Mood Booster and Mum-to-be Mood Booster. Those are her online CBT treatment programs for women experiencing perinatal mood disorders. We uh, have developed, initially based on our very successful face-to-face -face treatments, which were adapted for new mums and pregnant mums, an online treatment and uh, one for postnatal depression and a similar version for pregnancy but adapted. And we developed these over 10 years, which was a long time with some fantastic collaborators in the U.S., what I think is very unique about this online treatment is it's not a series of 
lessons or courses. It's as close as we could make it to face-to-face -face CBT, very interactive. There are six sessions which are very much a traditional CBT sessions adapted to be a bit much simpler, more straightforward, you know, even cognitive challenging is just focusing on positive thinking. Women work their way through one a week and they do that with or without the presence of a telephone coach. So we have a coached version where you can have a telephone coach. The clinician, if you're going to be a clinician using Mummy Booster, you can be the coach. And because we also have an SMS supported version where women get encouraging messages between the sessions to keep them motivated and engaged. Further up, you can see a series of library articles about communication, about managing your time and problem solving, so that women aren't, can freely do a lot between sessions. They can do some practice change homework activities. They can learn, look at other things that might be relevant. And if they have a partner, there is also a partner website, which is totally separate, which is uh, for, uh, for partners of women with depression to understand what's going on, which can be very confusing. In the webinar, we were able to show a series of video clips to illustrate some of the internal features of the Mum Mood Booster programs. You might like to look at them in the on-demand version of the webinar that's available on the Black Dog Institute website, or you can go directly to the Mum Mood Booster site to check out the program for yourself. Without going more into the detail of what Mum Mood Booster does, it has a lot of other features. Um, I just want to tell you a little bit about uh, its very thorough evaluations in a number of RCTs, and it's been evaluated for women who actually have a major depressive disorder and also effective for those with a more minor disorder. What we found, which, it, which was quite um, astounding that it, it did so well, was that it was four times as effective as standard care. And we were talking about remission here, mm. um, even for women who had severe symptoms. So in the real world where we've been um, having it out there, it also seems to reflect a, a similar pattern to that shown in controlled trials. There are two different delivery options for Mum Mood Booster. The first is an unguided version which keeps in contact with the user via SMS messages of encouragement. The second is a guided version where the user gets weekly contact with a clinician coach who supports them as they work their way through the program. We're very fortunate that as part of the Perinatal Depression e Consortium initiative, We've been able to make it available free on Mum's Space with the support of the Department of Health, the Australian Government. So but do, people, do yeah. people have to go in via Mum's Space for it to be free? Yes. That brings us to Mum's Space. Mum's Space is a portal to online resources for prevention and treatment of mood disorders run by a consortium of developers called the Perinatal Depression E Consortium, which is led by Jeanette. Apart from Mum Mood Booster, other resources that you'll find through the Mum Space portal include Mind Mum. Mind Mum is a free app developed by the Queensland University of Technology. It's designed to support women who are not depressed but who are not coping well and need some additional support. It provides affirmations, mood charting, relaxation training exercises, social connections, and much more. Mumspace also provides access to a prevention-oriented program called What Were We Thinking? The program comes from the Jean Hales Foundation and Jane is in an excellent position to tell us about it. 
what we're thinking addresses directly two of the what are called modifiable risk factors for uh, postnatal depression and anxiety. And these are the impact on a couple of their baby being unsettled, so dysregulated sleep, intense crying that's difficult to soothe and the feeding problems that go with those. And also the difficulties most of us have when we have a baby in renegotiating who does what in ways that feel fair. So this uh, program provides parents with very structured strategies to understand their baby's behaviour and how they can soothe and settle and regulate the baby and uh, establish sustainable routines and also how to negotiate with each other in ways that are more empathic and less characterised by conflict. So what were we thinking is originally a face-to-face education program that's been translated into the online environment as a website and more recently as an app. It contains a 26-week learning program about all the things you need to know as a new parent, but there's more. On the website, uh, a mother and a father can each fill in some responses to clear, simple questions, and then the app has a... the online website has a way of combining them, which shows them how similar their observations of their baby are or their experiences of the baby's birth or their views about who should do what at home and where there are points of difference. And then it provides some guidance for what they need to do to reach a more comparable understanding. Mumspace also offers baby steps. That's also from Queensland University of Technology. It's a website for new parents to support their preparation for parenthood, for dealing with common challenges with the baby, with the changes in the relationship and with self-care. Again, it's aimed at the prevention of perinatal mood disorders. It's also worth noting that there are other reliable Australian-made online resources that are not accessed through Mumspace. Towards Parenthood is an excellent website with an antenatal education program aimed at prevention. The PANDA website, that's the website of Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, offers not just educational material but a helpline which is available from 9am to 7.30pm Eastern Time, Monday to Friday. Women who call the helpline receive immediate support from professional counsellors but can also access full assessment and follow-up. The number to remember is 1300 726 306, but if you forget it, you can find it easily on the website itself. Also available outside Mum Space is another CBT-based treatment program. It's called Mummentum, and it comes from the people who make This Way Up. Mummentum consists of two self-guided treatment programs of three lessons each, one for the antenatal period and one for the postnatal period. Each of these courses costs the user $35 to complete. Well, now we've provided you with a dilemma. We've introduced you to two different CBT programs, online programs for women with perinatal depression. That's Jeanette's program, which is Mum Mood Booster, and the This Way Up program, which is Mummentum. And I'm getting confused with all these mums. I hope you're not. So, but the points of difference include the fact that Mum Mood Booster is free, but Mummentum is a paid online course. Um, but another point of difference is that 
um, momentum connects directly with the referring practitioner, whereas Mum Mood Booster provides the support from the actual Mum Mood Booster clinic itself. Is that fair enough, Jeanette, those, those distinctions? Yes, there are a number of other distinctions, of course. They're, they're very different sorts of programs, um, you know, from a course to more interactive, um, mm-hmm. you know, tailored face-to-face. So they're, they're, they're different sorts of programs. Yes, different style. And I think whenever we're referring to e-mental health resources, we need to take that into consideration that, that some people will respond better to one style than another. In the rest of the webinar, we used some case studies to guide our discussion of how we might use these tools in our clinical practices. I'm going to leave you to think about that for yourself. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something of immediate use along the way. To learn more about using e-mental health tools and resources in clinical practice, you're welcome to explore the e-mental health in practice page of the Black Dog Institute website. There you'll find podcasts, on-demand webinars and online learning modules, as well as a vibrant online community of practice. I'll look forward to seeing you there.